Hello, and welcome to this latest edition of Are We There Yet? The Project Edward 2022 podcast series. My name's James Luckhurst, and this week we're joined by another James, James Dewhurst from Webfleet Solutions, as well as Richard Stansfield from AES Fleet, for a conversation about driver welfare and the role data can play in getting a better understanding of how and where drivers are at risk. We'll meet them in a moment, but we'll also be taking a detailed look at the dash cam that may be fixed to your car windscreen with a third James, James Mason from Nextbase. And James will be revealing some fascinating insider information about the capability of today's dash cams and the outcomes that can be achieved in the right hands. First, though, to the road network and a conversation on fleet safety, data, technology and driver welfare, particularly as it applies in recent years with the impact of the COVID pandemic. Our two guests are very welcome. My name is James Dewhurst. I'm the sales director for Webfleet in the UK and Ireland, and I'm very focused on driving sustainable and safe mobility across the UK. Hi, my name's uh, Richard Stansfield. I'm the director of business development for Auto Electrical Services Stroke AES Fleet, and uh, we're providers of various telematics, um, camera monitoring systems, uh, fleet maintenance packages, um, and my overall goal is to reduce risk out there on the road so everybody gets home safely at night. Let's start first of all, perhaps you could both reflect on how difficult the past three years have been for fleets, for van fleets, for drivers and and, and the particular problems that they faced and the challenges that they've had to overcome. Um, Start with you James. Yeah I mean when we looked at it in the first instance First of all, going into COVID, obviously, everybody was highly anxious. Nobody knew if their jobs were safe. No one knew from their perspective whether they were going to have anything to come back to. You know, it was it was a really tough time for everyone. No one knew if the planet was going to be OK, first and foremost. Um, so I think you know, there's a lot of things that people did. And then all of a sudden you had this situation where people that maybe drove every day were then in a scenario where they were going back to the roads and they hadn't driven even driven their vehicle for eight to ten weeks. And that period was incredibly interesting for us as a telematics supplier, as a, as a you know, somebody that helped instigate. We actually did a webinar at that time to try and give education to the fleet managers and the drivers going back onto the road about thinking about what was going to be going on and the well-being of those drivers and everything that was going to be in their head coming out of the environment. These were the first people back on the road. Yes, there'd been some truck drivers and some areas that had kept the, kept the you know the country going, but in general, everyone was back onto the road at the same time and and. First of all, just having to think about how to drive again, but then also having all these other things. Is my family going to be okay? Is my, you know, is is my job still secure? Um, you know, am I going to catch COVID? You know, all those things were something that was weighing on people's mind. So we saw at that time, you know, a, a lot of distraction, a lot of distraction in driving, and um, you know, and we really focused on getting the message out there that this was the time to kind of use technology to kind of connect with the drivers. Um, and make sure that they didn't feel alone, really. Richard Stansfield, could I just find out from you, what were some of the common pitfalls that companies would fall into during this time, the, the errors that they would make and what the consequences of that might have been? I, th- I think, James, that it was the actual return to the work that uh, that James highlighted a moment ago, that um, obviously if you've got a vehicle that's been sat on the... on. Uh, outside a you know an engineer's house or outside a you know an engineering depot or whatever it is and that vehicle's not turned a wheel for eight weeks you've obviously got you know um problems you might have seized brakes you might have 
um, flat tires you might have you know flat batteries all that sort of stuff so from a compliance you know um, legislation thing it was a case of are these people actually doing a proper walk around check on these vehicles or actually you know checking whether the vehicles are going to start that first day and the tires okay that sort of scenario so you know on a on a basis of that is that we had a lot of uh, you know calls from clients saying oh you know the batteries are flat on this vehicle can you come out and get us started can you do this can you do that and of course then there you know we were we had a couple of our engineers that were quite hesitant to go back because they were looking at the you know the cleanliness of the vehicles they were actually going to work on when they actually went back into the field so you know there was there was there was lots of different elements that that, that um, hesitancy of to the return to work after it but also you know are the vehicles actually roadworthy to go back out on the road and and what's the driver's you know mental state of mind when they when they're actually getting back in that vehicle to do their first day's work well i was going to sort of lead on to that because you can deal with a vehicle's flat battery quite easily or a flat tire and that if you have a driver in a similar kind of situation it's a little bit harder, isn't it? The different skills are required and not all fleets, I guess, will have ready understanding of what needs to happen and how to get help for drivers who just simply cope less well than they used to. James, are there some nope. solutions out there? Are there? Is there help? Um, I guess there, there's lots of things that we would always encourage to do. Open communication is always really important. You know, like you, you need to have it's not just about the fleet manager communicating with the drivers it's about their manager understanding that their driving is I, we've heard a lot from people like mark cartwright you know that when he speaks to people um in, in you know band drivers that maybe they're a plumber or they're an electrician or they're an engineer and they when they ask what they do that's what they say they are but actually they're also a professional driver so so you know so there's the fleet manager relationship you have them but the managers need to have that relationship with them as well to understand are they in the right position mentally be, to be driving are they you know are, is it something that they've thought about you know are they in the right state of mind to drive today have they got too many other things going on have they been shown i mean we're seeing now with a lot of electric vehicles people are getting thrown an electric vehicle and not being shown necessarily how to drive it you know and understanding that piece there's a lot of retraining piece that goes on so there is there is so many things that tie into there what we find especially is that, that ability to be able to maybe have some have some data that sits behind these things because often if you ask a driver if they're all right they'll just say yeah i'm fine and they'll get on with it especially as richard's highlighted in some of the campaigns that he's done when it comes to men's mental health and drivers and different areas and like things people don't like to talk about it so a lot of the times they'll just say yes i'm fine and then it's actually the data that you see that you start to understand actually this driver's driving erratically there's stuff that's going on here which isn't which isn't right and maybe we need to have that conversation again but using the data to understand it it's often then when you have that conversation it then turns into an element of actually yeah things have been pretty tough for me and things are going on at home or you know i'm stressed because i've got too many jobs on and no one's taking these jobs off me i keep on piling more jobs on and that's why I'm behaving in that way. So the data can be a nice, a nice way, a nice leading indicator into actually a, a deeper problem. Richard Stansfield, you come in here. I mean, what, what's your take on mental health now, and how different is it from, let's say, before the pandemic? Um, you know, we tried to we tried to highlight the situation before the pandemic, but the, you know, the the anxiety that was caused by the pandemic was was um, very hard to measure. It was, you know, and it it, it fluctuated. At the start, it was you know we had a, we had a few engineers that just didn't you know they were they, they they didn't want to go back out on the road they didn't want to do this they wanted to you know oh can we go out three days a week can we do this can we do that you know can we be eased into it gently um, and 
<clears throat> we'd already addressed that mental health problem uh, and initiative before the you know pre-pandemic and but externally you know we we saw a, it, it, you know the, the anxiety being raised and i don't know whether it was because they were sat within the comfort zone at home or you know everybody because everybody was spending the time with their families and everything was nice and woolly and okay yeah we're still being you know we're still being looked after and all this sort of stuff and when it was right we've got to go back out and in the big wide world that anxiety level just went through the ceiling you know and and you know not just for our engineers for our office staff as well is you know is the environment to come back going to be fine as well and um you know so we addressed it you know we had a we had a, a like a little toolbox talk when we come down uh, when we all came back together and said you know if you've got any problems please come and talk to us if you're a bit anxious you know we understand because we're all anxious you know we're all human beings but I think the problem out there is that there's, you know, a lot of the, 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 especially the SME companies like us, they've got no, they've got no understanding of what the issues are, and it's very much a get out there and get on with it attitude, as opposed to actually, you know, the, a company's only as good as the people that you've got inside it and how you look after those and the mental health issues that we, that you know, that we were, which we're trying to address, you know, and I go back to my corporate, you know, my uh, my compliance with my compliance fleet hat on. The van is, is if it's parked outside your building, is absolutely no risk at all. If you put somebody in that van that's got a mental issue or, you know, is, is anxious or is a little bit hesitant and, you know, they're not fully on their game, that's where the risk actually occurs then. James Dewhurst, could you explain how it's possible to use data ethically, I suppose, to help with unearthing these sorts of issues and giving the help where where it seems to be needed yeah thanks james i mean we, if we, first of all we look at the data so we did a lot of research um going back now the last couple of years to look around this because obviously road safety is such an important fundamental part of what we do um one of the things we did we did a road safety report last year and nearly three quarters of fleet managers actually claim that poor driving behavior actually negatively impacts their business so their reputation, the different areas of where driver behavior kind of, you know, comes in can really kind of do that. So, you know, there's also research that said that found that 65% were concerned that poor driver behavior really seriously harmed their company's reputation. So these these are kind of, you know, the next level of stuff. So people are aware of it. Um, people know because they get complaints. The number of people I've worked with in council environments that take phone calls from Joe Public saying one of your vans did this, one of your vans did that, you know, and, and the accusations come to that. So data can be used in one of two ways. One, it can help exonerate these claims because actually it's not always the driver's fault. You know, council vans are notoriously being mis mis misaccused of doing something that they weren't because a white van goes past and people automatically assume it's the council and it could be somebody else. Um, we've also seen it where people have been you know accused of of maybe in accidents of you know of driving erratically or being on their phone or doing something and we actually use the technology it's in the vehicles now with stuff like cameras and and those areas to exonerate drivers to actually say no they weren't on their phone they had both hands on the wheel and actually they weren't speeding either you accuse them of speeding and the data shows they weren't so first and foremost i think that, you know the technology is there to protect the drivers you know that a lot of people view this as this is big brother big brother are watching and big brother are accusing you know accusing us of doing something absolutely not that was the old days that was old telematics you know tracking as they used to call it now we have so many people where we go into trial situations to engage with their drivers and understand the problems and actually throughout those trials and pilots we often find that you know the data can help you know make something make somebody aware of something so an example of you know we can talk about cameras um this is a great example i've heard mentioned a couple of times is that 
cameras now, the camera technology be quite advanced. It can take in, for example, like, you know, whether you're wearing a seatbelt, whether you're smoking, whether you're on the phone, this AI technology that's now come about. And when we when we worked with them, the partner we worked with put in a load of cameras into a customer, they found that they were getting a lot of alerts about people wearing seatbelts um, or not wearing seatbelts in the case. And when they actually looked at the cameras, they realized when looking at all the data, these people wearing wearing the seatbelts or not wearing the seatbelts were actually all obese. And it turned out that the seatbelts that they had in the vans didn't fit them. And they didn't want to have that conversation with somebody because they were embarrassed you know, about the fact that this seatbelt didn't fit them. So actually the fleet manager, when he realized this, had a few conversations said, well, let's get some seatbelt extensions, put the seatbelt extensions in and the problem went away. And those drivers were now safe. Now they were a massive risk because if they had an accident, they weren't wearing a seatbelt. The risk of injury is quite severe. So people think, oh, it's it's something that's bad, but people just don't want to talk about some of these issues. They don't want to say, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not wearing a seatbelt because I'm too big. It's embarrassing. So actually sometimes just the data that comes into those things can help protect the drivers. And that's the first instance, I think. Richard Stansfield, uh, Project Edward 2022 has its theme of changing minds, changing behaviour. So any thoughts on that that you'd like to share with our audience and, and with your audience of, of fleets? You know, what are the priorities? What are the ways of doing that in the long term that can be successful from your experience? Oh. I think a lot of it, James, is to uh, actually highlight what what the um, corporate responsibilities of the directors of the business that we're talking to is, because a lot of them, especially in the SME LCV market, is that they're they're totally unaware of what their what their corporate compliance is. You know, we me and my PA Rico it used to travel around a lot, and we'd go into companies, whether it was Billy's Builders or Bobby's, you know, Plumbers or whatever it was, and they might have four or five vans you know anything up to sort of like 15 vans and we'd go in there and you'd say right you know um we'd just like to take you through a, a checklist of what you what you do at the moment and then what you should be doing and you know you'd go through and they wouldn't have drive you know driver's uh, handbooks they wouldn't have driving license checks they wouldn't have this that and the other and when we actually highlighted the risk that was associated with not having a driving work policy and having their driving license checked and all this behind the scenes it actually you know it, it it made them sit back and and, and actually think okay maybe the, you know this is going to get the business into a lot of trouble with you know corporate manslaughter cases if touch would you know anything you know really serious was to happen and i think with project edward what we can actually get over is that anybody driving a vehicle for you know for business needs to needs to be aware of what you know what, what corporate responsibility lies behind that action James Dewhurst, first of all, I should say thank you very much to Webfleet for being involved with Project Edward, for supporting us. It means a lot and it's vital for you know helping us do what we set out to do. You are going to have uh, data available from the three Project Edward road trip crews and the journeys that they're making during the week of action. What do you expect that will reveal and how can that be perhaps an example of, of how fleets, bigger fleets, can get good information that can make their journey safer, their drivers safer, and, and contribute to generally a, a better working environment for people who are at work on the road. Okay, so I, I guess we look at this in two segments. Okay, yes, there is the data that we are going to provide. Now, the thing I'm very conscious of when it comes to this data is we are in a slightly closed environment here. This is a road safety week. 
Um, you know, this is this is something where you guys are you know in in a slightly different position. You're not rushing around the country. Yes, you have a lot of things you're committed to do. The pressure isn't on you to to get to these places really quickly in the same way that it might be a van. So I, I think when we look talk about the data, what we're trying to do is we're trying to produce some of the, the data set. And also you you are very conscious of road safety. We are road safety pioneers. When I get in my vehicle, I know that I drive it differently to my best friends who like to drive a little a bit faster and a little bit uh, a little bit different and don't live the same dream that we do in trying to make the road safer for everybody so i'm conscious of that you know but but i think what we can do with the data is highlight a couple of things one is you know you're going to be in evs um so so this is the, one of the big things obviously the change to EV and the transition to EV is a big thing for everybody. It's a different driving style. You've got more power than you've ever had before. Instant torque and instant elements. I've moved to an EV now and it's and the, the, the way you drive it is completely different. So there's a re-education piece that needs to happen there. And it'd be great for you and the team that are driving those vehicles to understand that. I know you did it last year in the in the Souls, but this time round with the EV6s, real powerhouse of vehicles these are high performance cars um so so for me in terms of that element there's going to be that element of how can how can the data we provide to you be um be useful how the data can provide to everybody be realistic so we are even looking at doing some potential um potential kind of trials where we will send out vehicles at different speeds so we can see the impact that that data has on the efficiency so we send out a vehicle at 60 miles an hour how does that compare if it's going out at 70 or if it's going out at 50 or if we say to somebody go and drive it you know Drive it like you stole it is one of the expressions you hear a lot. Um, but, you know, if you go out and put an aggressive driving nature into it, could that make how much of a difference does that have on the impact? So we see a lot of that um, in the areas, but we also want to encourage the safer driving through the other areas. So if you look at cameras, for example, um, you know, the camera we're going to technology, we're hoping to be putting into one of the vehicles will also maybe re even raise awareness of things that you aren't aware of driving, because I know since I've had my camera, it's raised my awareness of my distracted driving. You know, how often I'm looking out the window, how often I might be, you know, might be touching my face or doing different things and, and just not looking at the road ahead. You know, my car now tells me as well it gives me distracted notifications if, if i'm not looking straight ahead so these are all things that are coming you know they're going to come into the wider van market you know for, for white van drivers as things get there and they're all educational aids so the data we're going to provide will allow us to see that but i'm also conscious that this is a slightly closed environment so we maybe we'll need to maybe recreate some uh, some of the real world scenarios to make it more more receptible and more more suitable for this environment the people listening to this podcast. James Dewhurst of Webfleet Solutions. You also heard from Richard Stansfield of AES Fleet. And we're pleased to have Webfleet as a key partner for our week of action. They'll be holding our three road trip crews to account for their efforts to drive safely and sustainably. Okay, now time to talk dash cams. And in this episode, we have the opportunity to look at the fascinating science and technology that's already in many dash cams, as well as finding out what the future looks like. I spoke to James Mason from Nextbase about dash cams, judicial outcomes, technology at play and accurate data. But first, finding out more about James's own pedigree and experience. I've been with um, Nextbase for about six years now coming up. Um... I'm a level two technical support engineer and technologist for the company. Just deal with a lot more of the complex issues really within the company um, and help other team members as well who need just a little bit of extra help um, with complex issues or issues that require or questions that require just extra time 
and, and patience, really. Now, is it, is it fair to say that there's more to a dash cam than meets the eye, uh, or at least more than meets my eye? Um, I, being an uninformed consumer, um, tell us what's under the surface of that dash cam screen. Well, dash cams themselves are coming like what mobile phones used to be like. Uh, mobile phones used to make a phone call, but now they do extra things. Same as dash cams, really. Um, you know, obviously, they don't just record uh, video and take pictures. We do a lot more things like the emergency SOS system that's built into the dash cams, which is probably one of my favorite features uh, that allows you to, you know, if you are traveling down a road and, and have an accident on your own, it will call the emergency services to your exact location, um, which is a great feature. Uh, we have Alexa integration as well. So you can ask the camera to stop and start recording or protect a file. And the other ability as well is it connects to your smartphone. So allows you to, you know, download on the go, really, when you're out and about or abroad, if you use it abroad, um, and then share it straight away with an insurance company or with a friend or family if you want to show them a scene. Now, um, your colleagues have said that you're that if if. if if you, they need someone who can make the impossible possible, you're the one, you're the go-to guy for that. <laughs> what, what do they mean? I that? think it's because I've been with the company for so long. My my background in technology is is quite big anyway. So, you know, I've, I've worked for a couple of key brands um, in the past. So problem solving is my kind of key ability, really. Probably why. <laughs> Would you be able to talk through perhaps a specific case or project that's had a, a judicial outcome? I and mean, we don't have to name any names, but I think we'd be very interested to know, you know how you have helped to solve a particular problem or to bring someone to justice or, or whatever the outcome might have been. There's one that always sticks in my mind, really. Um, I recovered a, a file um, after a, quite a severe accident, actually, for a police force. There was There was two... Uh, people were racing at night time, actually, and they were unsure what actually happened to the vehicle because the vehicle had actually hit a wall. Unfortunately, uh, due to the incident, the, the driver did pass away. But they wanted to understand the speed of the accident, you know, what actually happened running up to it. So um, I recovered the file for them because the accident was so severe that the dash cam got launched from the car. I recovered the file and it turns out they were racing two people. Um, we had registration vehicles for the other person involved who, who did actually flee the scene um, and was a friend of the driver. <laughs> that one always sticks with me because it was the first one that I ever viewed before anyone else. So before the police, before the, 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 the people um, who were involved. And that was, that was a great way of actually seeing the use of the accuracy of the GPS information. So we actually used something in, in the dashcam footage called HDOP which actually stands for um, Horizontal Dilution of Precision, which is the GPS accuracy. Um, and I did actually test that, so I gave that to the police with all that information because we use GPS and we use GLONASS within our GPS systems. And what that allows us to do is, is work out an error difference. And funny enough, the, the police did check the skid marks in the road compared to, I don't know if you've ever seen that, where they work out the speed, based on the marks on the road. And yep, it turns yep. out I'd, our dash cam was, was accurate in that case with the speed of the vehicle. So we could actually see what run up to the accident. That always sticks with me, that one. You know, I, I feel sorry for the family, but it was really showing the key importance of a dash cam, even if it is used uh, after a, a severe accident like that. 
Well, let's look at the future then. What changes or updates do you think are going to make dash cams more capable in the near future, more capable than they already are? Well, everything is becoming a connected device nowadays. Um, so with a lot of the, the technology in houses, IP cameras and, and advanced uh, technical doorbells, there's obviously a lot of them. So our new dash cam that's coming around the corner uh, is the Nextbase IQ. Uh, that is a 4G connected dash cam. That's the future of, of Nextbase at the moment. That's what we're really looking forward to and working very hard on it. That allows for you to connect your dash cam no matter where you are because the dash cam is 4G connected. We're also bringing in a three camera setup on that device as well. That includes the front camera, a cabin camera and a rear facing camera on our top models. This also has the ability that when reviewing files, you can actually see uh, boxes around the vehicles, um, which shows you the, the estimated speed of that vehicle and the estimated distance away from you as well, which also helps with protection of files and things like that. So that's really the future of us, really. That's what we're looking forward to. James Mason of Nextbase. And that's everything from us for this week. We're back next week to preview the Project Edward 2022 week of action. It's come around that quickly. And we'll be in the company of Chief Constable Joe Shiner, the NPCC Roads Policing Lead, as well as Ruth Purdy, Chief Executive of UK ROED. So do join us on Are We There Yet? The Project Edward podcast. Do subscribe and do tell your friends to tune in as well. But for now, from me, James Luckhurst, it's goodbye and thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>